Stanford Cofield and Company. You guys were greater. And we've been up and down on this journey to the cup. Pass it to Marcy. Marcy, you got something to say? No, 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 no. Listen to me. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. The show goes on. This is my home. They're going to need a wrecking ball to take me out of here. They're going to need to send in the National Guard or get SWAT team. the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go on a Monday. Fired up. Good intro by Damon, who is in for Ari. It is Cofield and Company on a Monday. What a freaking weekend. Adam Hill is here, so he's finally back. He'll be in a bunch this week. That was exciting. And I will announce, as I do every year, uh, this is my favorite Time of the year for Sports Talk Radio. I'd say the next, we got an extension, right? Huh. We got an extension from normal Sports Talk Radio after the, uh, no, not really. You know, VGK carrying it longer helped us out. But um, this time right now, until I'll say the last week of July, is a free for all. I've talked about this every year, right, Adam? Yeah. You know I love this time of year. Why? Because there's no necessarily like structured things that you have to do. There's no VGK. Nope. There's no Raiders. It's hey, find topics that you want to talk about and talk yeah. about them. Uh, JT the Brick tweeted out earlier. Here we go again during the sports radio dead zone. What? I, I think of most of the year as the sports radio dead zone. Right. Of like when you have to. Hey, talk you got to talk about the Raiders today. Yeah. Got to talk about the Knights yeah. today. Like yeah. this is this is when this. First of all, it's. Where you actually find out who can do it, yeah. Um, but it's also, not, it's not it's necessarily fun. talking sports; it's being able to talk about everything around sports. Sure. Um, and JT was just setting up a shot at uh, Colin Cowherd, so there is no dead zone. No, there is no, no dead zone. Uh, I told Adam because Demon, you know, is uh, getting in the habit now. Flow the show, right, Demon? Right. We all trade stories. We all send in a yep, bunch yep. of stories. We mix them up. Demon's got a bunch of his stories in, and Adam sent over this voluminous list, which I expected because he hasn't been in forever, so he's got a lot to say. And I just told you, I'm like. Yeah, Wednesday show is half done with your stuff already. That'll hold. It's good stuff. So we got so much coming up here, and I'm sure the audience is like, how about do it? Okay, stop talking about other radio shows. Um, I got to start out with a story that just got sent to me about Vegas and upcoming events. Because so much of today is going to be the parade and what happened at Allegiant for four days of the other kind of football. F1 is on the way. And we really haven't touched on the the road project, which is one of the most incredible things we've ever seen here. And I brought it up last week. You can call it incredible. Well, it's, it's incredibly it sucks. annoying, but it's annoying because they're doing it at like 50 times speed. And I've been joking last week. I was saying, man, everything here takes, unless it's a building they have to get done like a stadium, everything here takes like five years with the roads. You know, whatever it is, the drop of canna. It's like, hey, it'll be done in 2025. I mean, they're supposed to have it done by the beginning of next year, but we'll see. But everything turns into a two-and-a-half, three-year project. And F1's like, yeah, we're coming. Uh, Two-and-a-half years? No, three months. Let's go. And they pay for it. But they, 
a story just came out by your boy Akers at the paper talking about the fact, and this makes sense, they've got to build a bunch of bridges, especially on that east side of the F1 track, right? So the F1 track on the east side is going to race down Koval and then turn back toward the strip on Harmon. Well, there's got to be a way to get some cars and, you know, pedestrians, different places, because <laughs> you're not going to, what are you going to have them? I mean, right now, people already walk across like eight lane roads. They jaywalk. You're not going to oh, be able to course, do that. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not doing that. During the race, you're saying? Yeah, but, well, I think they would do it down the road. We have, yeah. we have people on the side with a cart, and we're like, what? Oh, come on! Slow down! Like, they're going to build three bridges. They're called tent bridges, which I don't really understand. I would assume they're going to be permanent. No, I think they just put them up for the race. Get and out take here. them down, I think. They sound incredibly, like, we need them. One is going to be Flamingo will go over Koval, and then two others, will. there'll be a bridge that crosses somewhere over to the paddock from the top golf corner. I think that's how I read it. And then the other one is up by what's called Audrey, which no one takes, although I did walk it uh, last week to get to uh, VGK Stanley Cup night. Um, that's the one that kind of goes to the back of MGM Grand Garden Arena and goes across Harmon to right. the, the back of Planet Hollywood and other places, right? So they're going to build a bridge there. So we're going to have three tent bridges – and again, it's essentially to get from the outside of the course to the inside of the yep. course. Just and for, for and this to... is this is supposed to be all ready to go in October. Yeah, I think and that, one I... of the projects said it's going to be done in pieces. I think the Flamingo and Koval pe- uh, bridge will be done in eight pieces and expected to take like three, four, five weeks. By the way, okay. not, I know this is not the most important thing that you said, but because I just did the simulation thing and watched it, uh, I think it goes the other way. Okay, I think they race, they turn left onto Koval from Harmon. Oh, okay. I think that's that's the, how the simulation. You might works. be right. I you know what I I assumed. Uh, yeah, I assumed it was all, it was all right turns. Yeah, I think they go north. Oh, that's a good point because the it was lefts on the simulation. Great great point. I have no idea. I don't know. We'll look it up. Well, the, we the but on the simulation, it definitely it goes Get north. On that, guys. It's going north on Koval. Bravo, guys. Bravo. It goes north <laughs> on Koval and then it turns <laughs> left onto Spring Mountain and then left onto the Strip. Races all the way down to Harmon, and that's the the route that it okay, takes. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. As long as I get to try out the track once, you gonna drive it oh. in your car, or you want to? Well, right F1? now, you right now you can't because it's blocked in different places. You can drive it; it'll just take yeah. seventeen hours to I get all around. I said last week. I mean, doing a hundred down Koval will be beautiful. You can't, but it's so smooth. The ro- the parts of the road that are done, they're so smooth. But of course, they're all down to one lane at any given point. You just you never know. So we saw soccer here over the weekend. I want to get to the parade. The parade was freaking awesome. We saw soccer here over the weekend, and we were promoting it. We had some giveaway tickets. And then look up, and the attendance wasn't great. The Mexico game was bizarre because they ended it early. These are all details that we want to get into. But the whole thing finished up with Canada and USA last night. Um, not much of a crowd, but the, you know, the bigger story is how USA is doing right now in soccer. And we're going to actually talk to uh, Jenny Ruiz, who was on the broadcast as a studio analyst who's over at UNLV, so she's going to join us at 5.30. But um, the U.S. fans that were there, they were poking a little bit of fun at Canada? Yeah. They were, there was the you know the stick-to-hockey chants that were coming at the end of the game. First of all— Not even really also, a good dig anymore. It's not, no. And, well, I mean, as somebody did point out, you know, Vegas owns hockey, yes, with an entirely Canadian team. <laughs> with a bunch of Canadians. Uh, for sure. But, I, I mean, I will also say the Canadian fans, there was a, a big turnout in the, in the Canada section— yeah. It was like a whole section of Canadian fans. They just did the same cheer over and over again. Oh, no. And it was like 
it was to the point where it was kind of bothering us. Like, dude, can you do something different? Right. They're just, Canada, Canada. You're like, okay. <laughs> I mean, what else you got? What's you your problem? Else? What's your problem? You're the one, I love you're the one who said, yeah, I know you do. You they say have a great anthem. You say it's the best in the world. Yeah, the best anthem in the world. Yep. Terrible. One chance, and it's terrible. They've got to step it up because Canada is getting better at soccer. I mean, they're not on the U.S. level right now. Uh, but they, they probably are the second best team in CONCACAF right now with Mexico just really struggling and firing another coach today. Like, they're probably the second best team in CONCACAF. So let's get it together with the chance. Do, do a couple more. One is terrible. The VGK parade on Saturday. First you, where were you stationed? Where were you planted? I couldn't understand all your tweets because I thought you guys had a vantage point from up top. We did. So we did a we did a live broadcast of the parade uh, through our, our TV studio, and um, we were on the fourth floor balcony at BrewDog. So it was it was fantastic. Um, just it could not have been better. And by the way, like when we when we asked them to like set something up, we thought, oh, a little little, little table in the corner, maybe. We just had a huge booth right in the corner, right overlooking everything. It was great. Uh, so we did that, broadcasted it, and then as the parade was winding down, uh, myself and Ben Goats went over across the street and like made it into uh, Toshiba Plaza. So I was at the plaza, right up on the on the media area where Damon was kicked out of. Um, during the during the actual event, and then I was a uh, I was on that Brewdog fourth floor during the actual parade. Wait, what? Yeah, what happened, Demon? Demon tried so, to come where where no. the real where the real journalists are supposed to be, and he was appropriately sent sent packing. Some people applied for their proper credentials, but some people just have the gift of gab and just thought, hey, I'm technically media. I belong on this stage. I pulled a Do you know who I am? And they said no. And, <laughs> and then I was there to say, can you make sure this person is Is that right? Promptly? We have safety issues yes. here. Can please make sure this person is not here where we're supposed to be? Wow. So yeah. yeah, he was kicked out very Gift quickly. Gift to Gab works, what, 95% of the time? Yeah, 95%. It got me on the stage. Well, <laughs> Got you on the stage. There, there, was, there was an issue. Yeah. I mean. On air we can talk about this? Or I think this we can. I think it's fair enough Did to say. we do say. this during our commercial breaks? No, I think we can do it. <laughs> Devon stands out in a hockey crowd. I snuck back on the stage two times, and they found me both times. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> like, he's not blending in. Man. Come on, we got a ways to go. Sorry, yeah. man. We got a ways to go. And it was like, can I see that credit? Can I see that credential again? Right away. I don't have it. <laughs> Who are you? Okay. Yeah. It's tough to blend there's, in. There's Sorry. 13 Adam Hills up there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Big fellas with hat backwards and a goatee, but of the whiteness. No hat TV with TV on Saturday, so no hat. But uh, yeah, it was it, it was very obvious where Demond was trying to move around in the crowd. In fact, as he moved further and further away, I could see him the whole time. So we have some logistics to talk about with the parade before we get to Wild Bill, who was a maniac. The other guys were just crazy. A He's a legend. Now he goes down as one of the greatest, um, you know, celebration athletes of all time. And his speech was slow and deliberate. But it was great. Yeah, I, I love the message that he gave, and he was giving away some good stuff that maybe they were like, okay, true serum's coming up. Get him off the stage. Um, going into the weekend, I know uh, Tony Cordasco, who does one of the uh, the newer uh, VGK podcasts, was hammering the route. And I saw some other people saying that the route wasn't optimal. I, I, I might want to debate that part. Um, because the optics they wanted the most were in Toshiba Plaza. And they were able to pack a lot of people into Toshiba Plaza. There was there an argument going into this 
about like what part of the city it should be in because our good friend Ariel Hawani, who is a hockey guy, and you'll hear in this, he considers his second home Las Vegas. We don't, Ariel. Uh, <laughs> listen to what he said last week and got rightly annihilated for. I mean, I tweeted something about their parade yesterday. <laughs> Jesus Christ. First of all, I didn't know that there were any real Vegas to Golden Knights fans. And I love Vegas. I kind of consider Vegas like a bit of a second home. And I was just wondering, if you're a hardcore Vegas fan, I presume you don't live on the Strip if you're a hardcore Vegas fan. You're a local. You're a Summerlin native. You're a Henderson native, yeah. etc. Do you want it to be in the tourist area? Do you want it to be in Times Square? Or do you want it to be where they where they practice in the burbs, do you want it to be because it's a team of the people. It's a team of the community. It was the first pro team. It has brought the community together. Okay, enough. First of all, isn't New York Ariel's second home? Because he's from Canada. Mm-hmm. So New York's his second home. This so is not your second home. considers Vegas a third home. You've, like, you've never been embraced here. And comments like that mean you know nothing about Las Vegas. Look, it's, the, it's, it's one of the most famous streets in the world. There, there are no parades that are held in the burbs at the practice facility, unless they know the turnout will be completely pathetic. They're not doing a parade up what, Charleston? It's not going to happen. I mean, I guess they could have done it around DTS. That would have been stupid. Of course it was going to be down on the strip, and everyone who went at you, they're right. It's, it's also, it's centrally located for most people. Yeah. What would it say if it was in freaking Summerlin? Or, you know what? Let's have it on Water Street. That's where the parade is because everyone lives in the burbs. And then everyone who lives on the west side is like, I'm not going to Henderson. That's the other thing. If you're a true Las Vegan, one, you know that people don't want to go down to the strip. But two, you know they don't want to cross the strip. And that's more important. Having to cross the freaking strip in this town, they're like, no way. That is too far away. I'm not going to drive 28 minutes. I, I would have... I do think there's an argument to be made about doing it somewhere else. Downtown, I thought, is where it was going to end up. Um, but Yes, but, com- but, but totally different than what he said. If he had mentioned right. downtown, then that's a real discussion. I thought, hey, with the aggressive partnership with Derek Stevens and Circa and the D, but it just seemed like the route was going to be way too long if yeah. they did it from downtown all the way up, unless they, they jumped well, they, on the 15th. And they wanted to cheap Plaza, for sure. But yeah. they, they could have – now the. I didn't think it was going to be at Toshiba Plaza and on the Strip because of what we just talked about already. I didn't think so either. Because of F1, because of, because of all the construction, well, I thought because it would be a really, was I thought it would be a really short route. I didn't think it would actually go anywhere near Flamingo. Yeah, and because – well, in, in on Tropicana, like, you can't get off on the freeway. Nope. So I, I was like, I don't think they're going to do it there just because of those reasons. As it turned out, like, the rally, it all worked out well – if you went at two o'clock like I did, like that was that worked out yep. for other people that tried to. I talked to I I talked to people. And this is not I'm not oh, kidding. Yeah. The night before they said, "Oh, I'll probably head down there at six forty five, six you know six And I was like, "Okay, well, you're not going to the parade." Yeah, like I don't know what to tell you. That's, that's not going to happen. Oh, as soon as we saw the alerts, yeah, and all the safety things, I'm like, "All right, no chair." I I, I could understand all the safety precautions, but like no chair, no cooler. I'm like, okay, because I'm not going to get into Toshiba Plaza. No, I'm not. I, I'm not the yeah, good for you guys that you snuck around. Uh, old fatty is not going to freaking be lumbering around, you know, tens of thousands of people. So I thought, hey, along the route will be pretty cool. I'll take the RTC. I thought the bus was a great idea from like yeah. six different locations, four bucks round trip. But as they started kind of lining up different things, I think a lot of people around town were like, well, maybe this is going to be tough. Now, other cities can look at us and go, well, you guys just aren't great sports fans. 
So I had a discussion with one of the guys in Denver, Judge Dan, on Sunday morning, and I was like, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know what the official number was for, for who turned out. I, I, I don't know what the number was. Um, I also think every other city lies when they're like half a million, seven fifty, a million. I knew we were not going to turn out that many, but for what they wanted, which is the optics in a tight area to a much bigger scale than say the aces. Cause the aces did the same thing last year too. The aces are like, we're probably going to get 5,000 people down here. So let's try to s- squeeze in a one little small section to a short route, have 3000 people. And in this case it was like, Hey, Maybe we can get forty or 50,000 people in the park and Toshiba Plaza. I thought it was – I thought that part – that part dealt with the reality of Las Vegas and how much they're willing to go down the strip and how much are you know willing to go to a big event like that. Yeah, it was – there's not an easy solution. Like you said, I, I don't know of a place where you could have had you know, 75,000 people. I, I thought setting up a stage – and again, I don't, I don't know where all the road projects are right now. I thought setting up a stage at one of the major intersections – on the boulevard, and then everything is a shoot down that direction, you know, kind of like Nashville did, where you just have this long corridor and you can fill in the fans there. But it might have looked, you know, you might have got to a certain point, and you're like, oh boy, there's no depth to that at all. That thing looks real sparse on the back end. I was like, I'm thinking maybe they could have fit more into like where they did the NFL draft. Um, but that would have come on back that, there. That would yeah, that would have then taken away from you know the optics and and the. Uh, also, the look MGM is a big part of the team. Like yep. they wanted to have it their their property. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's the that's the realities yeah. of when you live in Las Vegas and yeah. it's your second or third home. Those are the kind like of like I think you setting know. up setting up the stage uh, where you go into the park on LV Boulevard. You know, in front of New York, New York, in front of Park MGM, and then maybe facing south, and you see how many people you can get all the way down to Trop, and maybe it extend down to the Luxor and Excalibur and Mandalay, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I, look, I, I don't think there's an easy easy solution for because of all those reasons. We don't have a natural gathering place for you know hundreds of thousands of people necessarily, especially one where there's parking and logistical support and all those sorts. of That things. all said, we're not down. On I, it. Also, I, thought, I thought the crowd that showed up was awesome. It was loud. It was raucous. I think it was the perfect size. Yeah, and I was great. I, I'll also tell you this: there was, from what I understand, a lot of a lot of issues between planners and the city and everyone else about what time to have it because. Yep. The team wanted to have it at night, and the city was in the city and the county and the officials said no. Wow. Metro said no. Don't have it at night. That's too dangerous. We'll also get into this later on. You always have to consider the other thing, which is how many high Heat. vantage points do we have to keep an eye on yeah. in case another lunatic is up and starts spraying the freaking crowd. That's true too. That 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 part of planning is never going away. But the best parts of the parade will feature them coming up. While Bill was great later on, we'll talk about the best owner in all of sports, Bill Foley. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. So, Damon, after you got kicked off of the uh, media area, where'd you go? Like five feet to the left. And there was like a little elevated view that a couple of people, there was even a couple of the media photographers, nice. they were over there too, you nice. know, to get a better shot. So what'd you anticipate when the guys came up on the stage? Because it, it got off to a raucous start because didn't Wild Bill fall down the stairs? Yeah, right when he, right when he walked out. Yeah, I was more excited when it was like when Chance came out. That's when I was like, finally, we're going to see some players soon here. Because I was getting a little antsy of like, hey, wh- come on. It was there was a lot before the ceremony actually started. Like, just kept going and going, and it was like, okay, now this we're going to have this happen. Now this policy is that when they introduced every mayor in the area? Yes. Yeah, and everyone gave a key to the city, and they were all bad. It's it's not a good environment for them to try to speak in. 
you can't hear what they're saying specifically. Like the only thing you're looking for to parade is either somebody drunkenly rambling, like William Carlson, uh. or like yeah, knights, like yeah, like nobody right, actually right, wants right. like a That's speech. Just, nobody wants to say stuff. Like, Mark Stone holds up the cup. Yeah, right. Like, say stuff. Why are you speaking? It's just, it's just bang, bang, George, bang. George McPhee gave like a real heartfelt speech. Nobody cares, Woo-hoo. and you because you can't hear it. You That's can't the hear the specifics. Yeah. So it's it's, it's just hard. it's rough. That whole thing is rough. When did uh, Governor Lombardo come out? It seemed like 11, 30, 12. I mean, the thing just kept dragging and dragging. He was after everything? No, he was after. No, I think he was before. right before the mayors. Oh, okay. What kind of greeting did he get with the uh, the A's thing fresh in a lot of people's minds? Very mixed. Yeah? Especially, I think, because Bill Foley had kind of joked about it on Friday. Oh, really? Um, How did he joke? He, I don't think he was joking. I mean, he made a, he kind of laughed when he said it, but uh, we had asked him about uh, continuing to expand youth hockey projects and like there oh, needs to right. be more rinks yeah. uh, because there's only a, you know a certain amount of rinks and you can't you know sure. you can't get out there so we need more rinks in town he's like well you know, they're giving out money for sports things now so Did he say it? hopefully the state gives us I some of that you. money too I told you like, Pandora's yeah. box yeah. everyone up and down the strip let's go yeah where's the bag I'll pick it up yeah that that's a great point too he said I so he, the, he, well, I think what he said is I can guarantee you us building ranks for the community is more impactful for the community than building a stadium for the A's. He said that? That's what he was implying. Okay. He's right. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw that he was uh, talking about three or four more ranks all different places around town. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. And he should. has he has been vocal about public money going to teams to build stadiums. That's yeah. awesome. All right, they so, they so, had none. So rough start. Wild Bill comes out. He, he bounces down the stairs. But He bounced up quick. Not only bounced up quick, didn't spill. Oh, he had a drink in his hand? Didn't. I mean, yes. <laughs> of course he did. Didn't spill it, though. And then immediately, I think, to cover the, I don't know, embarrassment is the right word, but to cover up the, hey, I fell down, yeah. just ripped the shirt off. That's when he did it. Nice. Because he had a shirt on, fell, didn't spill, bounced back up, and then ripped the shirt off. The speech was epic. And I he, I mean, he, it was very stunted. He was hammered. There were long delays. But I got what he was saying. Okay. You guys can hear me? Yeah, you hear me? So, um, this guy, this effing guy. Yeah, I know, I know. So, he was here, they won. Yeah. You have been here, they one. That's it. You guys are so amazing. We played Arizona in the first game and we beat the shit out of them. What did he say? And I had no points. No points. I had no points. And then in the background, what'd he say? <laughs> oh, it's coming. That's when everyone's like, the Vegas Golden Knights people who are not hammered are like, okay, what's happening here? We've got tens <laughs> of thousands is, of people. There's, this is crazy, going off there's the rails. kids in the crowd, and he's starting to lose it. He's coming unraveled. It was a good start. And even in a drunken state, he understood. Just jab, jab, little little things, you know? Long pauses are good. Just point at Marshy. Well, you know this you're- This effing guy. <sighs> you know you're drunk when you just start, Okay. Yep. Okay. Oh, that's reset. how he started. The reset. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Okay, Bill. But that's okay. Because at year one, I was pretty 
Great. Hip thrust. You guys were greater. And we've been up and down on this journey to the cup. Pass it to Marshy. Marshy, you got something to say? No, 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 no. Listen to me. Exactly. Because you hear a woman in the back, and I'm like, uh oh, this is coming unraveled. And then Shane Knighty's like, pass the mic. No, 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 no. No, no, no. No. Well, he, was, wanted, actually, he wanted to intro him. I was higher. I was uh, highly impressed by Knighty. Because we talked to Gosher, and uh, well, we talked to Gosher on Thursday. Uh, we'll have to have some follow up on that. He did exactly what I told him to do. Well, Knighty, uh, Knighty's, but, a, he, Knighty's a pro. He, and he, I thought he intimated that Knighty may be a little deep in the weeds at this thing. No, no, no. But he, he was. wasn't. No, he was. Oh, he's just good at it. Oh, that's what I'm saying. He's a pro. Wow. He, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, yeah, he's Canadian. Wow. Uh, he, he can handle it. Wow. Uh, and he's a professional. And he was lit. Yeah. But he also he understands how to hold it and how to handle it and uh, and how to maintain professionalism up there. So, so awesome. good for him because when he gave his speech too, it was get, it was it was getting there. Yeah. It was it was not getting the Carlson <laughs> level, but it was getting there. We've been waiting for six long years for this guy to be MVP. <laughs> Jonathan Marshall. Yeah, that got tough at the end. Uh, the, and so, and people were watching on TV. But you also noticed. You also noticed, as I said, the only thing that people react to is like MVP or Stanley Cup. That's the only things you say that get people. Fun. That's the only thing that resonates in those settings. So we had Nighty try, and then we had this poor woman try. Who and was, she's just doing her job. I saw the VG Karen comments yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I don't know her exact title, so I don't want to. I don't want to get that wrong. She's basically in charge of like community, the community foundation. Right. So like it's it is her entire job to maintain the image of the team and the players and the franchise right. and the organization in the eyes of the community. That is what her job is. Yeah. So for those of that's not your, it is her place. Yeah. And it's it not your place job. to stop it. Well, it's her job is, yeah. to do that. If Bill Foley came to her and was like, well, "You didn't do anything," like <laughs> no. I was saying, it wasn't my job. Now I wish that she would have let it go yeah. forever. Oh, God, uh, I wish she was still talking right now. It would have yeah. been great. But that is that is kind of her job to do that. Butchie, Butchie, out there dancing. Someone sent me a video of uh, Bruce Cassidy dancing, and they're like, I imagine Cofield dances like that. But, so uh, I responded, I'm like, way too much rhythm. I am much worse. That was good. He he definitely had the white guy at a wedding dance. Okay. That's all right. his move. All right. A little L- overbite? It wasn't great. A little overbite? It wasn't great, but he was trying. celebrate. We don't have to be all judgy. I was stunned. Stunned that he would go on stage and say back to back. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> I think he was. Um, it I was very Belichickian in terms of the rhythm, <laughs> but... I guess your point is what? He's a conservative guy, and to go up there yeah. and go, we're going to win back-to-back. I think he was just lit up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no way he would want to do that. That'll be bulletin board material next year for people here. I don't think people outside the market will care that he said back-to-back. Well, if they fall short, then he you know, failed. That's it. Fire him. <laughs> I'm glad everyone had a good time. And I saw a lot of people there that I know have said uh, they would never cheer for this team again after they got rid of Marc-Andre Fleury. That is funny. <laughs> It is. I know I've mentioned that a lot. How many times along the way that I I just mentioned Belichickian with rhythm on chance. They do run this organization kind of like the Patriots did for the longest time. There, there's not. To, this sounds mean. Like no loyalty. Like when you have to make hard moves, 
you make hard moves. And George McPhee and McCrimmon, to a certain extent, are sort of emotionless on that front. Is that overstating it? And I'm sure, you know, they don't love dumping guys. But I think in a case of McPhee, it's just like business is business. And uh, we got to manage a roster. And if things change and, you know, at one point we loved Flurry and gave him a long deal, it changed. He's not as good anymore. We got to move on. Yeah, I think I mean that, look, that's that's how you're supposed to run. I'll never root for this team again. Yeah, yeah, you will. Yeah, about the parade, yeah, especially when you win. Yeah, I'm gonna go back and find some that's of your how guys, you win. some of your old tweets. That's how you win. You don't. You, there, there are tons of organizations around sports that, out of loyalty, will keep guys who are fading. They'll keep them around. It's it's not. It's a hard move, and you're gonna get blasted. But you got to do it. Well, and you have to win. You do have to win, yeah. If you do that, because you could stick with guys and they're lo- they're beloved and people want to see them, and you can fall short. And then if you if you're heartless and cut everybody, you better win. Yeah. And so, and I think that was part of, and I, they've said it. McPhee and McCrimmon said it last week. Of we needed this title <laughs> to justify all those things that we did. There were a lot of McCrimmon haters for yeah. the board. And if they had fallen short, could you could have fallen short with Flurry? Could have fallen short with any of these guys. Yep. Like. You needed this win. How was McPhee on stage watching everyone uh, get their funk on? So I wrote my Sunday column about George McPhee. Yeah. Like, I love him. Yeah. His pessimism is just is unmatched. It's fantastic. Um, he would not – he was mad at the people celebrating uh, when it was like 7-3 to three in the last game. Wait, what? He's like, it's not over. So that's you and betting. No, that and that's what that's I wrote. Why you love him. That's your connection. That's what I wrote. I said we need those. We don't need these people that are like, hey, if you think positively, everything will be all right. No, it won't. You need this guy <laughs> who is pessimistic to the bitter end. You did you? I don't even know if you saw this. It went under the radar because everybody's celebrating. Uh, did you see he ripped Cassidy for the last game? Wait, what? Bruce Cassidy. <laughs> Bruce Cassidy started the the Misfits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he mad? After the game, yeah. after the game, in the middle of the celebration, he couldn't contain it. George McPhee said, "We don't do gimmicks around here." I didn't like it. <laughs> after the championship, <laughs> that's that's George McPhee. Yeah, I love that. Yep, and that's who you want as your boss. And so he, he I mean, he gave a speech. Right, come on, that's who you want as your boss. <laughs> he gave a speech. Every day on the show matters. Every soundbite matters. I wouldn't qualify McPhee's speech as like celebratory. It's like, hey, we. Got, he's like. Great job. Back to work tomorrow. Like, okay. You know okay. what we're going to do tomorrow? Man. We will compare and contrast because we got to get the McPhee speech. Well, and I'm, hold on. I'm going to compare and contrast. I got to get it. Karen White's, yeah. the girls' basketball oh, yeah. coach. Holy crap. Yeah. It was like the closest thing to Jordan I've ever seen. I was just sitting there like, what is, like, this is a celebratory night. And she's basically like, our style works and people don't <laughs> like it. Well, I'm here now. And I'm not trying to be mean to her, but it was like, I don't think she cared. She was just like, it's all about winning, and I was right. Whoa. Let's continue okay. on the, this theme of the way they run the organization. Because there was a great McPhee moment. I, I think it's awesome. Speech. We'll get back to McPhee. we got to talk to the guy who kind of led the way in this whole thing. I thought Mark Shunock. I mean, that's not an easy job to get up there with a bunch of drunks and freaking hurt everyone, and then you've got, you've got the Lays, you've got tens of thousands of fans. I thought he freaking nailed it.
to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. I mean, just ridiculous. You get up in front of a big crowd like that, get them going. Mark Chinook is with us. Uh, the arena voice. What is your official title, Mark? I never know what to call the the kind of the town crier in the arena because I don't want to insult a PA guy. You, you can just call me groupie. There you go. <laughs> the the designated streamer. And you are awesome yeah. at it. My lo- Before we get into all the nuts and bolts and everything you saw, because we want the nitty-gritty on this thing, um, when did you first know that you could just yell – at amazing levels and not destroy your voice. It is a skill, man. Listen, I am, you know, kid in a candy store. First off, thanks for having me on. I I don't even know what time or what day of the week it is. It's just (laughs) been two weeks of madness. Uh, I came out to Vegas 12 years ago with a show called Rock of Ages. I was a Broadway performer, and, uh, you know, I'm hanging out in Vegas doing the show, and I hear Mr. Foley announce he wants to try and bring pro hockey to Vegas, and so... I cold called Fidelity Financial one day and I said, look, I'm from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, born with skates on. How can I help? And uh, I was a part of the Vegas Wants Hockey Committee, if you remember that. You know, we had a group of, group of folks in Vegas just trying to spread the word that pro hockey might be a thing. And I've been part of the franchise ever since. It's, uh, it's been a wild ride. So freaking cool. You do a great job. All right, so... Tell me the behind the scenes. You're getting ready to go out in front of thousands and thousands of people. Like, what are you feeling? And then when you get out on stage, what's it like? It was insane. You know, I think we had a couple hundred thousand people from the strip into the plaza. And, you know, it was kind of like controlled chaos. We knew that uh, the guys were having a, an afternoon, to say the <laughs> least. And uh, we had a couple of things that we needed to hit and get to and, and you know, say a few things. And, and then it was just kind of a free-for-all. But... The minute I walked out there, seeing that wave of, of, you know, Vegas fans just screaming their faces off and truly the best fans in the league, man, they were out there since 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I don't think we took the stage until 8.45. So thank you to everybody for hanging out. And uh, it was just an unreal, surreal experience. I don't really think that the Stanley Cup championship winning it all has set in for some of us. (laughs) within the organization just because it's been such a busy two weeks. You know, the highs and lows of four rounds of playoff hockey, and then you finally win the thing, and then it's like you don't get a minute to celebrate. you got to start planning a parade. and It's just been, a, it's been an unbelievable experience. I guess that's the only way to explain it. Important question. Have you drank from the cup? I've had a, a, few, <laughs> a few personal moments. With Lord Stanley's cup. Uh, whoa. Wait a second. Wait a second. We, we actually we have a topic lined up for next hour because we've heard a, uh, over the years about a lot of violations, a lot of wieners touching the cup. We're not. We're like, you're not getting that hardcore, are you? No, no. no my, my wiener is definitely not touching the cup. Uh, but uh, the cup, the cup has been embraced. And uh, yeah, man. Listen, I'm from Canada. I've, I've, you know, this is part of our culture, right? Yeah. The Stanley Cup. So. Uh, you know, I, I've definitely read some stories and seen some stories of, of the players when they get the cup for a day, what they've done with it. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's, that, that cup is the village bicycle. Yeah. So, when, <laughs> I mean, along those lines, when we're, when we're drinking from it, is it just, are we just ignoring the entire past of the cup? Yeah, I think so. I would, you know, if, if you know you're going to be around the cup, I would pack one of those wipes you probably have handy from, you know, going through the COVID pandemic. You know, we've all got a couple of those wipes in our pockets. Oh, look at that thing's still in my backpack. I'm going to use it right now on the Stanley Cup. Much next with us. ESPN Las Vegas, Cofield and Company. 
when you were up on stage, what was the coolest thing that you saw unfold? Because there were a lot of images, the speeches were cool. What did you get a kick out of? You know, I think from the from the the guys speaking, obviously, there's some sound bites there that are going to live on in infamy. <laughs> uh, you know, like <laughs> just to be on the stage with the guys, you know, who've had a few and they're letting loose and and you know, giving the fans a show. I think those funny moments are going to be memories that we all keep forever. Uh, on a personal note, I think, uh, you know, before we brought the players out on stage and we recognized those that weren't with us from the, uh, you know, our tragic shooting on October 1st, I think that was important to, to everybody in the organization to make sure that that was part of our celebration and to honor those folks and those that have, uh, you know, uh, suffered from that just horrific incident. So I think for me personally, having the, uh, the opportunity to, to sort of kick that off in that way is something that I'll remember forever. And, uh, you know, my phone blew up, you know, friends and family who are here that, you know, lived through that, some of the darkest moments that Vegas has ever seen to uh, this such a triumphant moment. I think that's something that uh, I'll personally keep with me for the rest of my life. Along those lines, how much thought has to go into as you're preparing this? Like, you want to absolutely honor that that day and that tragedy and the people that we lost but it's also it's this celebration so you don't want to you know completely drag it down in some way like how much do you plan how what you're going to say and how you're going to keep the mood up after that yeah it was it was presented as a moment of cheer right like we wanted to spin it it wasn't a moment of silence by any means you know that definitely wouldn't have played properly into the, the celebration so we wanted to give the fans a chance to just let loose and scream and, and let those those people that are no longer with us hear them, you know. And I think I think it worked. It was uh, it was keeping it in the right direction in the in the vein of a celebration, and uh, just letting letting our loved ones that are no longer with us know that hey, we're celebrating right now. We're having a great time, but know that we're thinking of you and you're with us. And I think that message was uh, was received loud and clear. Did did George McPhee get the message that they had actually won the cup? Because I feel like he was still he was still like angry and pessimistic. Like what is going on? No, George, that's George, man. If you know George, that's just George. He's already planning year two, you know, win it again next year. And uh, you know what I thought was funny? If you go back and watch it, I haven't done it yet, but like we invited George to speak, and I think he said something along the lines of, hey, these kids have raised so much money for charity in our, our community, and they're such great role models. And immediately to the right, shirts were coming off, and champagne was being sprayed. So, you know, it's just, it was a perfect moment, I thought, where he's like, these guys are great role models. <laughs> look at him taking his shirt off and spraying that woman down. That's perfect. You no. know, it, was just, it, was, it was just a great moment, and I think that. That says all you need to to say about this the love of the sport of hockey, man. That is, it's just such a hockey moment right there, where you have, you know, the greatest hockey mind, in my opinion, in the game right now, and guys just losing losing their shit over there on the corner of the stage. It's just perfect. I'll go. I'll go one step further. If you're going to go back and watch that moment. McPhee stops and stares down William Carlson because he, just as he was saying, more important than the wins have been the the impact they've had on the community. Just as he said that line, uh, Carlson was was trying to do uh, trying to shuck on two beers at once while he was being sprayed with champagne right at that moment. And McPhee's like, "Come on!" He just stops and stares him down. It was it was fantastic. But the whole night yeah. was fantastic. Uh, William Carrier carrying Carlson off the stage also. I mean that's great. How are you even? I mean, you were trying to play traffic cop on some level. Like, what what do you even do in that in that situation? There's not much you can do. <laughs> you know, we had sort of a rough 
show order of what we needed to do. We had to make sure we got the governor and the mayors on and off the stage quickly, which we did. And then it was kind of like, all right, who's speaking? We knew uh, Bill and George were going to speak. Kelly McCrimmon spoke. And then it was, you know, w- what players are we going to identify? Who's, who's possibly still standing and can <laughs> express a cohesive sentence? And we'll kind of play it by ear. And you could see it in guys' eyes. Like, I'm standing right with them. I'm like, oh, you're not getting a microphone. I'm going to step <laughs> over here. And, uh, oh, you're, you're good enough. Let's give this one a shot. And it, it was great. You know, it was, it, internally in our entertainment department, we knew it was going to be controlled chaos. And we're just sort of flying by the seat of our pants. And, you know, I'm accustomed to it, man. It's, it's, it's live TV. It's live entertainment. Uh, it, it was it was everything it needed to be and more. I, I thought it was an, uh, an amazing afternoon and great for our city and great for everybody involved. Be honest, what's a bigger rush, getting up in front of that many people for a big celebration like that or like opening a Broadway show, you know, with the buzz in the crowd? That. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a different chapter of my life now. Yeah. You know, I work entirely in pro sports and, uh, you know, I'm blessed to call Top Rank and ESPN home and the Raiders and the Golden Knights and, uh, yeah, trust me, the nerves are there when you're standing backstage and you're walking out in front of a couple thousand people. But listen, I'm from Sault Ste. Marie, as I mentioned, and we just won the Stanley Cup. Uh, I, I don't think there's anything greater. Uh, for me personally, I was able to fly my 84-year-old father in town for Game 5 and to be able to have him there with me and witness that celebration. And, you know, that's what it's about, right? I know it sounds a little cliche and cheesy, but you know, you live for these moments, and to be able to have that kind of opportunity and to share it with your family and loved ones is, is something that I'm, I'm never going to forget. And, you know, I, I'm a, don't forget, I'm a fan first, you know, and I think that's what sort of separates what I do from other hosts and, and people in the business is, you know, I come, at, I come at it as a fan. I didn't go to school to be a host. Uh, I just happen to do it now, and it just, uh, comes, just comes with heart and passion, and I love this game. I love what the Golden Knights mean to Las Vegas, and uh, it just, it's something that I'll never forget. Mark Chinooks with us here on Cofield and Company. Last couple of minutes. Um, do you think that Aiden Hill understood what he did by tying to the past? His move to wear a Larry Johnson jersey is incredible. You know, I think that's a testament to just who he is as a person, right? Um, he, he can be goofy and, and reference Talladega Knights in one minute, and then <laughs> – Come come out on stage, rocking one of the most iconic jerseys in Las Vegas sports history. So uh, he's a smart, smart guy, and you know I don't think he's gotten enough credit. I think we we had him in the Con Smythe conversation early, and but uh, you know he he won that Stanley Cup for us, man. Like we got to score goals, obviously, but defense wins championships, and he literally stood on his head. I'm sure you've uh, you've reflected on this you know last couple of years as you've uh, gone through this process of the championship. Do you have a moment you know from the past of the Golden Knights that you uh, will will treasure with you? I mean, obviously the the Stanley Cup win is the big one, and opening night is a big one. Do you have a moment along the way that is always going to resonate? You know, I think you hit the two biggest ones. Obviously, that that celebration that we had to put together to pay tribute to the victims on opening night. Uh, will always be, I think, with everybody, even those who are no longer with the organization still talk about it. Uh, you know, this past Tuesday is going to be something. But for me personally, I think it was, honestly, it might sound a little cheesy, but meeting Michael J. Fox. <laughs> you know, we were able to get Michael J. Fox to a hockey game, and he came up to the castle. We did the siren with him. And, um, you know, I just, we've had so many amazing people. I just, that's something that always comes to mind when people ask that question, you know. Yeah. Off off ice experience for me was was being able to spend fifteen minutes with Michael J. Fox. That's awesome. uh, on ice, 
you know, on ice, I think just there's been so many incredible moments in the six short seasons, but, you know, come on, man, we just, we won the cup. And that's something that, that nobody will ever be able to take away from uh, this group of guys that made it happen. And then also to just sort of that analogy of, of you know, the theater, we talked about it, you know, we, we spend so much time rehearsing a show and you put it up. There's, there's 200 full-time employees at the Golden Knights that have, have busted their ass for six seasons. And as much as that cup is for the players, you know, sharing that office every day with those folks and from interns all the way up to the president, it's, it's a group of people who are committed to excellence and, and wanting to see, uh, you know, the team on the ice succeed, but also make sure the community is supported in, in ways that most people don't see on the day to day. And so, you know, just knowing that this cup is for the, the day-to-day full-time employees at the team is, is something special, too. So that's, that's something I'm excited about. Mark, you're awesome, man. Glad you had a great time. You're a big part of it, and we appreciate a couple minutes here on very short notice. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Enjoy the rest of this ride. It's crazy. We're champs.